classic 80s metal. Symphonic death metal opera. But I've got to be in the mood to listen to Black Sabbath. Many of our listeners weren't even born then. Back for Chicago, very progressive. I can see there are thrash elements. You are a metal paradox. A stunning vision of death metal. I would listen to it over and over and over again today. It just seems so dated. I hear this more as operatic and goth. Florianson will surpass Halford as the iconic heavy metal singer. You're listening to The Great Metal Debate Podcast. Welcome, Metal Maniacs. This is the Great Metal Debate Podcast, episode 44, December 2016. I'm your host, Gomthong, here to talk metal with you listeners. If you'd like to talk back to me, please tweet at Metal Debate or send an email to thegreatmetaldebate at gmail.com. It's my favorite time of year, time for the countdown of the best metal albums of 2016. Before I get to the list, I'm joined by special guest, Mark the Wolven King. Mark, we're going to count down our list of top metal albums for the year compiled by the podcast. Before that, why don't you give us some not on our list that you think merit consideration? I'm absolutely in love with the band Amaranth. Their new album, Maximalism, it was really different compared to the rest of the stuff they've uh, came out with. It's been kind of the same, but that's why I kind of respect about bands that like to keep it diverse and they want to try something new. They don't really get a lot of credit that they deserve, considering they're not really popular here. They're more popular up in Sweden and the Scandinavian area. The best thing I really liked about it is that they blend in like electronica, you know, pop music and metalcore, and even some power metal, considering their male vocalist used to be in a power metal band before he joined. I heard the first single off the album, uh, that song, and I wasn't too keen on it. it to me, it kind of sounded like they were trying to rip off Queen and the Pretty Reckless, and I wasn't too big on it, but then they came out with another song called The Fury, which is made, it's mostly the harsh vocalist who's singing. That really turned me into it. And then, you know, they started coming out with the other singles such as Maximalism or Maximize, and which, you know, it sounds like a usual Amaranth. And honestly, it just sounded like just a regular Amaranth album. But, you know, I, I like the fact that it was really diverse. It wasn't really shreddy. It wasn't really technical. It was just a really good album that just gave me a lot of positive vibes. I live by a rule that, you know, if it gives me goosebumps, if the entire album gives me goosebumps, then I can listen to it front to back without having to change the track. And that's a good album to me. I just feel that out of all the thrash metal albums that came out this year, I was really pleased with Testament, Megadeth, and especially Metallica's new album, I'm a big thrash metal fan. Testament, The Brotherhood of the Snake, is what the album is called. And to me, it's a lot darker. You know, they've included a lot of blast beats in it, which really isn't uh, very thrash metal-esque, I guess you can say. It's more along the lines of black metal and death metal. It's uh, it's a really good album. But Dystopia by Megadeth is another good one. It's definitely a better album than the one that came before it, which was uh, Super Collider. And that was just an embarrassment. That was like their second risk album. As far as Metallica goes, I saw that Metallica had released, actually, you no, know, it was on Metal Injection. They said that a new Metallica song has been released, and I just decided to give it a shot. And that like, was your first mistake. That was my first mistake? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. When I heard Lars was drumming, it really reminded me of the Injustice for All album. 
so that's what kind of turned me into giving it a shot. Because I give music a chance. I give anything a chance. I give it a listen. It really reminds me of Kill 'Em All. And everybody's been saying that, but really it does, especially when Kirk Hammett does the solos. And, yeah, there are some where he does the wah, but honestly, he's done the wah pedal for so long, like even before Cliff died. The solo on the song Hardwired and mostly any other song on the album there's no law, it really brings me back to, like, solos from Kill em All, like Sick and Destroy, Phantom Lord, even uh, Four Horsemen. So it was really cool to finally hear a solo that sounded really good. And the only thing that I kind of dislike about, you know, the new album is that James's voice. But that's something that's never going to come back. But other than that, it's definitely in my, in my top, you know, 12, my, my devil's dozen Oh, yeah, yeah, been so full. Well, I'm going to tell you why. Oh, we're going to get to Vincent involved. Growing up, first Sevenfold album that I ever listened to was City of Evil. I had no idea that there was a single album out that they had before, and so I started listening to them and getting into more. They still aren't able to hold a candle to the album because it was, you know, it was power metal. It was, you know, punk rock. It was, you know, some hardcore in there, too, and even symphonic with the uh, with a song called uh, The Wicked End. You know, they still are not able to hold a candle to that. So, you know, listening to them and seeing how they're evolving, that's what I did think until I heard the stage. I listened to the single, the stage, and it kind of sounded like, you know, the usual. So I wasn't very pleased with it. And then I heard the drums come in, and I was like, I was floored. And then, you know, the whole band started coming in. I really liked it. Very atmospheric. And you can just tell that, you can tell like the album kind of flows with it. Every note, every lyric, it kind of like, it's almost like it's a concept album almost. Now, Matt's vocals, I'm not too keen on them, but I'm more into the music. For me, when it's something like, you know, Ben Sumpo, when it's mostly the music and the composition work, that's usually what draws my attention in. And musically, this album was amazing. Thanks so much to Mark for joining us. Now on to the Great Metal Debate Best Metal Albums of 2016. There were so many metal albums this year, so many amazing albums. We can't begin our top dozen without mentioning a few that were very deserving of recognition despite not making the top 12. These include Necronomicon, Advent of the Human God, Primal Fear's Rule Breaker, Sonata Artica, The Ninth Hour, Striker, Stand in the Fire, Ice Thirst, Unlock Doors, Holy Grail, Times of Pride and Peril, Starkill, Shadow Sleep, The Agonist Five, Elysion's Proponent for Sentience, Overcrown Higher, Savage Master with Whips and Chains, Endemize Anathema, Devil Drivers Trust No One, Stagecoach Inferno, A Town Called Atonement, Abbath, Self-Titled Abbath, Death Angel, The Evil Divide, Anagnorisis, Peripatia, and Cigar Tears, Northen. All truly deserve a place on this list, but these just didn't quite make the cut. So with that, here are the Great Metal Debate Top Dozen Metal Albums of 2016. I start my list with Cult of the Blackened Veil by Floridian black metal newcomers Lustravi. A delicious infernal premiere, Cult takes the listener 
down the long, dark corridor to black metal hell. From the back-breaking rifts of Evil Incarnate, through the madness of Dona Nobis Keum, to the insipid climax of Sabrina, Cult of the Black and Veil serves up black metal in its most engaging, raw, and haunting form. Throughout the album, Morgan Weller and company devise a consistently powerful and energetic tone, yet also provide enough dynamism and variance that it's entertaining all the way through. Do yourself a favor and add this album, Lustravi's Cult of the Blackened Veil, to your collection. The boys in Omnium Gatherum are at it again with Grey Heavens. It would be very easy for a band like OG to fall into the trap of becoming yet another noodly Teth Deck act. Fortunately, while musicianship is as strong as ever, in many ways, technicality takes a back seat here to the brilliant songwriting. This album has compelling songs, well-crafted with tasteful lead breaks and considered interludes. And vocalist Yuka Pelikonen's juxtaposition of growls and clean passages work as well here as they ever have. The record never drags, and there is not a dull moment on this album. Grey Heavens finds Omnium Gatherum at their artistic peak, and this album should not be missed by any fan of classic melodic death metal. At 10 are alternative metal upstarts Catechus, with their debut album, Fallen. Hailing from New Albany, Indiana, this act features one of the best voices in the Midwest in Michaela Busca and smart riffs from guitarist Chuck Stoss. Musically, this album gives the listener consistent melody and heaviness, backed up with a ton of technical prowess. The softer parts sometimes steal the show, however, with tracks like AM and Cried Out showcasing the band's subtly catchy side. Wisely, Catechus have mined their debut EP, String Me Up, for two of the best songs included on the album, a re-recording of the aggressive Evolve and Obey and S&M-inspired crowd favorite Safe Word. Folks who've seen this band live can attest to the talent and energy, and not an iota of musicianship is lost in the recording. If you like your pleasure mixed with pain, check out Catechus' album, Fallen. Boy. Italian quintet Flesh God Apocalypse have always broken the boundaries of what one expects from a metal band. But with their latest record, King, the band succeeds by moving back toward their roots, having devised the most aggressive album since 2009's Oracles. In King, Flesh God stays true to the band's fusion of symphonic and technical death metal, but increases the pace with more furious drumming and placing the guitars slightly higher in the mix. That does not at all detract from their mainstay of guitars fused seamlessly with orchestral elements and choirs to create their trademark majestic cinematic atmosphere. The album is beautifully crafted, with the moods and songs placed exquisitely. King is theatrical, technical death metal at its best, and definitely one of the top metal albums of 2016. At number eight, I have Acroasis by German melodic death monsters Obscura. Obscura refused to disappoint with this, their fourth album, continuing to deliver their signature blend of dramatic melodies fused to brutal, unrelenting death metal. As with previous releases, Obscura astounds with their technical competence, dramatic flair, and innovation. The variety of sounds on this album are stunning, as Obscura are masters of incorporating opposing genres without seeming contrived. The mix of clean and harsh vocals, occasionally thrashing elements, and dissonant death metal just works here in ways other bands simply can't pull off. There is something for everyone with Acroasis, and with this release, Obscura maintains its place in the pantheon of great melodic death metal bands. Seven. 
Following their appropriately titled Lunar Prelude EP released this spring, symphonic rockers Delane are back with my number seven album for 2016, Moonbathers. Counting myself as a huge fan of Delane, Moonbathers gives me much to adore. Without question, this album contains some of the best tracks Delane have ever written. Hands of Gold, Fire with Fire, Dance Macabre, and The Glory and the Scum synthesize the Delane sound perfectly, highlighting the genius embodied in the songwriting triumvirate of Wessels, Eikens, and Westerholt. There are a few misses, I'm just not a fan of the cover track, or I would have had this release even further up on my album list. But the highs are so amazing, and I definitely count this Delane album as one of my top recommendations for the year. On our podcast, we've talked, talked a lot, about how thrash may be the most overhyped genre in metal. And I stand by that statement. Despite this, I simply cannot ignore the surprise of the year, a thrash metal album worth listening to. I'm talking about Terminal Redux by Vector. Simply put, this is one great thrash album. Vector transcend the surface aesthetics of thrash, unleashing a sea of great riffs and dueling lead displays. The guitar duo of Eric Nelson and David DeSanto are exceptional in crafting interwoven harmonies characterized by speed and precision. All the songs are incredible, but the concluding track, Recharging the Void, may be the ultimate showstopper. And Vector don't rely on reworked thrash riffs, but economically incorporate progressive elements that give each song character and color. I can't recommend this album highly enough. To hell with the new Metallica, all hail Vector. Four. Admittedly, I don't give sufficient attention to traditional death metal bands, but I cannot ignore this one. My number five album for 2016, Star Spawn, by Colorado act Blood Incantation. This album provides all the classic death metal that fans of Morbid Angel, Autopsy, and Suffocation love, but without sounding dated or losing any rawness in the production. The opening 13-minute-long salvo of Vitrification of Blood begins the butchery, and every track beyond is equally brutal. I hear so many influences coming from the deepest, darkest pits of classic death metal hell. There's really nothing musically to criticize on this album, and honestly, I would have had it even higher on my list, except that it's only 35 minutes in length, leaving me yearning for more blood incantation. After posting a top 10 worthy offering with 2014's The Quantum Enigma, Epica returned two years later to again challenge the metal imagination with the follow-up, The Holographic Principle. This album retains all the dark, aggressive, and subtle elements that have made past Epica releases great, while introducing some unexpected new twists and turns that keep the band's trademark symphonic power metal sound fresh and vital. Simone Simmons' impressive vocal performance often steals the show, alternating between soaring operatic highs and a mournful goth edge. And Cohen Jansen is amazing in his ability to make the keys do whatever they need to do to complete the song. The term fusion is often overused in music, but there's no more accurate term for how this band approaches their craft. Songs like Universal Death Squad, Once Upon a Nightmare, and The Cosmic Algorithm ensnare the listener with riotous choirs and stomping riffs, but refuse to be pigeonholed to any single genre descriptor. Not just one of the best symphonic power metal bands around, Epica are one of the best metal bands I've ever had the fortune to see live, and the holographic principle again showcases why. Insomnium have outdone themselves with Winter's Gate, my third best album of 2016. 
These Finnish musicians have broken the mold by creating a complete metal album captured in a single 40-minute long track. I can't think of an album that has captured my imagination in the way this one has. Dark and somber, cold and biting, poetic in its melancholy, with a death metal coming in just the right doses. Although not entirely absent in other Insomnium albums, the folk influence is strong here, moving the listener in solitude over imaginary mountains and fjords. After listening to Winter's Gate, I feel a renewed appreciation for what can be accomplished within the metal genre. And honestly, am both shocked and pleased to find the band delivering the message is Insomnium. After so many years in albums, Insomnium should rightfully be praised for taking chances here and succeeding. Melodic death metal lives, and its new home is through the Winter's Gate. At number two, American power metal has finally arrived with the first self-titled album from California Mavericks' Helion Prime. There are a cadre of impressive West Coast power metal bands like Judicator and Visigoth, but Helium Prime is the best by far, and they show it with this monster album. Featuring instrumental flash and flare bounded by effective chorus hooks, songs like The Drake Equation, Life Finds a Way, and Into the Black Hole have Helium Prime demonstrating their own charming science nerdiness without descending into camp. Singer Heather Michelle shows tremendous power while keeping a more traditional range than displayed in her other band, symphonic metal act Grave Shadow. While power metal is a medium, the astute listener will hear occasional influences from artists as far-flung as Arion and Trivium. Guitarist and songwriter Jason Ashcroft should be celebrated for the thoughtful composition and perfect execution evidenced in this initial offering. This is truly a five-star debut. Yeah. Fans of folk metal prepare to be blown away by this, easily the best album of 2016, Blood and Shadow, from cold-blooded pagan metalers Winterhem. Although hailing from northern Kentucky, Winterhem have produced in their sophomore offering music to rival European folk legends like Arcona, Fintroll, and Elvete. I don't know what book of ancient runes this band unearthed to lead them to create this stunning work, but the writing and musicianship has improved leaps and bounds from Winterhem's still quite competent debut album, Songs for the Slain. The tracks are composed well, flowing to create an impressive mythos forged from the band's own twisted imaginations. The violin work from Umbriel, in particular, is tasteful and appropriate, as it soars above the power metal guitars beneath it. Time prevents me from providing the track-by-track commentary this album truly deserves, But if I had to pick the highlights, I'd go with Blood of the Moon, The Summoning, and In Shadow We Ride, all of which are as good or better on the 20th listen as they are the first. Suffice to say there are no weak points here. This album shows the band carving a niche of their own and sending a message that they are here to stay. I got to see Winterham play live a few weeks ago, and this isn't just studio wizardry. My neck is still sore from their performance. If you only purchase one heavy metal album this year, it must be Winter Hymns, Blood and Shadow. Let's take a moment to listen to some music from this metal masterpiece. The first track off Blood and Shadow, here is Winter Hymn with Blood of the Moon.
that wraps up this episode. Before we sign off, a reminder to check out all our always absurd and sometimes frightening content, the debate podcast, artist interviews, and not safe for work fan cast at the Great Metal Debate on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. And make your own voice heard by joining in the conversation by coming to our Facebook page. Until our next podcast, sell your soul for metal and defend it till your dying day. We'll be right back.